0: 32nd Psalm. I want to just share some beautiful truth out of this psalm that's been a real blessing to me. I was going to do it a couple of weeks ago, and you know we got carried away, so I'm, not going to, I'm going to try to get through this very quickly tonight. Psalm 32. Now, historically, according to theologians and some of the oldest data available, Psalm 32 historically... Follows Psalm 51. You know that these Psalms aren't put in historical order or chronological order uh, at all. And uh, there are those who have studied history say that this Psalm actually should have been Psalm 52. That's where it would fit in. Because Psalm 51, you remember what Psalm 51 is? What's it called? The penitent psalm. Against thee and thee only have I sinned. Remember when when the prophet uh, Nathan came to David and told him the story about the man who had all these sheep and all these cattle and all these goats and the other man across the fence only had one little ewe lamb. And he said when the rich man had, was going to have a party, he sent his servants and they climbed the fence and took the man's one little ewe lamb and slew it and roasted it and fed the, party, fed the people. And he said, what would happen? Should, you, should happen to a man like that? David said a man that would do anything like that ought to be killed right on the spot. Starts started ought to be shot. <laughs> he said he ought to be killed. And Nathan reached out with that long, bony finger and said, Thou art the man, David. David had not been willing to confess the fact that he had sinned by going out and taking with all of his wives, reaching across the fence, as it were, and bringing over Bathsheba and sinning against her. And when he said that, David cried out and repented in Psalm 51. Now, this is supposed to follow Psalm 51, and it's an interesting thing in the... uh, Don't turn to it, I will, and I'll read it to you. Psalm 51, verse 13. He said... Well, I'll read verse 12. He said, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. So he says, If you'll just forgive me, Lord, and cleanse me, then I'll warn others and teach others concerning what, what they ought to do. And so we see this happening here uh, in, in Psalm 32. And the first four verse, uh, first five verses, we would call the blessedness of the pardoned life. Blessedness of the pardoned life, verses 1 through 5. Let's just quickly go through them. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. Now, let me say that we know David wrote this psalm because in Romans, the fourth chapter, and verses six and seven, Paul relates back to the, this psalm and these verses and said, as David said, this psalm was written by David. And uh, he says, Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord Imputeth not iniquity. The living Bible says, Blessed is the man whom God has cleared his record. Has cleared his record. Now what does the word blessed mean in the scriptures? Hmm? Come on, what does it mean? Every time you see the word blessed in the scripture, it means happy. Or exceptionally fortune, fortunate. 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 Keep that in mind whenever you see blessed, happy or exceptionally fortunate is the man, as it says there, whose transgression is forgiven, whose sins, sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord has cleared his record or imputeth not iniquity and in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roarings all the day long. Now David is relating now to Psalm 51. He's saying, I knew that I'd sinned against God. I knew that I had broken God's commandment when I went did what I did with Bathsheba. I knew that I had done that which was an abomination in the sight of God, and that God was displeased with me. I knew that, but I kept my mouth shut. I wasn't going to say anything. I refused to acknowledge my sin. You ever gone through that period of time? When you knew that you'd done something that wasn't pleasing to the Lord, and rather than repent of the thing and cry out for forgiveness and mercy... You just won't let it out. You just hold on to it. You know, Maybe you've never done that. I have in the past. Mm-hmm. Miserable. And David said, when he didn't do it, when I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roarings all the day long. I just felt achy and sick all over inside. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. That was conviction. My moisture is turned into the draught of summer. He began to what do they call it when you, the moisture goes out of your body? Began to dehydrate. You ever been so miserable and under conviction where you begin to lose weight before? I did when I was a new Christian. Oh, I can remember times the Lord would be speaking to me and I'd just be so miserable. I'm Oh, God. You know, and I'd start losing weight. Because of conviction. The Living Bible, I think, says the strength just faded away where he says the moisture turned into the drought of summer. Sela." Now, do you know what Sela means? It means, well, think of that. Just think of that. In other words, just stop and consider what I just said to you. When I wouldn't confess my sins, I, I got under such conviction, it was just like a heavy load upon me day and night. And then he said my strength went away and I began to dehydrate. I became physically sick over the thing. Think of that. He said, isn't that crazy that I would allow myself to get in that position, that condition? He's teaching sinners now what the foolishness of not confessing their sins. And then he says, I acknowledge in verse 5, but in the living Bible, they put the word in there, until. He was, it was like a heavy load upon him, and he was getting sick and dried up inside. He says, until I acknowledge my sin unto thee and my iniquity, have I not hid I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Selah. Think of that. I was sick until I finally realized how foolish this was, and I recognized I had to confess it, and I did confess it, and I got rid of it. And he said, the Lord forgave me of my, the iniquity of my sin. Now, the, the next two verses, verses 6 and 7, is the blessedness of the preserved life. The first one, remember, is the blessedness of the pardoned life. This is the blessedness of the preserved life. For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. For what? For the fact that he confessed his sin. He's saying, because I confessed my sins like you told me to do, the judgment of God will not come upon me like it would have because I didn't. That's what he's talking about there when he says, when thou mayest be found surely in the floods of great waters, they shall not come nigh unto him. When the judgments come because I've confessed my sins, you're going to forgive me, Lord. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance or songs of victory. Praise the Lord. You know, he had said in Psalm 51, he said, forgive me, and then he said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. There's the problem with a person that's in backslidden condition. They're not lost, but they've lost the joy of his salvation. The fellowship is broken. You can't relate to the Lord. If you regard iniquity in your heart, God will want to hear and answer your prayer. That's why he says, deal with it quickly. When sin comes in your life, get it out of your life. And this is what David says, when I do that, Then when I cry unto the Lord, He hears me, and He preserves me from the trouble, and He causes me to have songs again of victory or deliverance. You know, it's a blessing to be able to walk around in the midst of trouble and say, Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. Because I know He holds a future, and life is worth a living just because He lives. And you walk in like Ed says, and he walks in school on Monday morning smiling and whistling, and people say, what in the world are you so happy about? This is Monday morning. And he says, it's just good to know the Lord's alive. Give him songs of victory. And then, the blessedness of the planned life, verses 8 through 11. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Now, verses 8 and 9 were the verses that Beverly put on a picture of her when she gave me the first picture of her in Bible school. Verses 8 and 9, you see, it says, Be ye not as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Now, I guess it was just verse 8 you put on there, wasn't it? That's right. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I wrote on the glass verse 9 and showed it to my roommate. He says when we walk with the Lord and sing songs of deliverance and when we confess our sins and come into that right relationship with Him and the joy of our salvation comes again, we can expect that God will instruct us and teach us in the way we shall go and guide us with His own eye. Now Charles Simpson said in that retreat when he was speaking on, uh, at the men's retreat in Daytona Beach, He's talking about the man that fears the Lord. He says, the man that fears the Lord is not this cautious, careful type of guy that says, Well, I'm not going to do that until I check this all out. I'm going to check that all out. I'm going to, well, I I just got to make sure that everything's absolutely right before I go. No, I he says it's not like the guy that goes around in the minefield like this thing. Is there a mine around here somewhere? He says, that's not the guy that fears the Lord. He says, a man that fears the Lord is a man that walks along, and as he's walking along, his relationship is so sweet with the Lord, the Lord will say, now stop there a minute, son. Okay, Father. Now you can go ahead, son. Okay, Father. He says, your, your eyes are always on the Lord, and you know that there can be men standing around ready to hit you with a club, and you know and it's another man standing with a rope, and you can walk along and say, ha, <laughs> praise the Lord, he's going to hang himself, it looks like, because you know that when your ways please the Lord, he makes your enemies to be your friends. That he has a re-reward for you. A rear guard to defend you from the back. And he says he'll lead you and guide you and direct you. He's on both sides of you. Nothing can come nigh unto you when you're walking right with the Lord. God, Satan can't touch you when you're in a right relationship with the Lord. He can't harm you. He can allow extreme pressures to come upon you. But if your heart is right with the Lord and your eyes are on the Lord, you don't need to fear a thing. That's an exciting thing. He says... When you find a man that really walks with the Lord and really trusts the Lord and really fears the Lord, to the world he looks like an idiot. He says he's like the guy that walks down the street happy and giddy, you know, and he's got his shirt tail out or his fly open, and he doesn't know it. And everybody else is looking at him, and he's going, ha, 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 ha. And they think, what's the matter with that crazy guy? Doesn't he know it? And he says, now that's the way a man is that really trusts the Lord. He walks along in the midst of all sorts of trouble around him. And he's going, (laughs) praise the Lord, hallelujah. And they say, that guy must be nuts. Doesn't he see what the problems are? He does. But he says, I believe that if I trust in the Lord with all my heart. And lean not to my own understandings. And in all my ways acknowledge him. He'll direct my paths. I'll teach thee and instruct thee and guide thee in the way that thou shalt go. And in the long run, when all the rest of them have fallen to the side, you'll still be walking on. Do you know that in Psalm 37, there's a verse in there that I claimed, Beverly and I claimed when we were in Bible college and when I had to preach this series of messages not too long ago, I claimed it again. And it says, And He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord. I said, God, I don't want to preach this. Lord, give me another answer. And finally there was no other answer. And I preached and I said, Lord, I'm going to stand on it. I will not uh, apologize for it anymore. That's what the Word says. And now I'm just standing back and I'm going to say, Lord, you'll vindicate. Those that say you preach a bunch of garbage and that's blasphemy and that's lies. So, Lord, I don't have to react to that. Praise God. I preached what the word says. And you'll bring forth what I said to be truth. And I confess to you before you tonight that there may be storms and lightning and thunder and everything else before this is all over and this message gets around. But in the long run, let's look at it five years from now and see what's happened. By the way, for those who love to drop names, and you ever met Christians that like to go around dropping big names all the time, you know? You ever ever run into them, huh? Well, if you want to comfort their ears, I heard Sunday night from the brother who was speaking, Ken Lowry, that my position is 100% in agreement with the position of uh, Hobart Freeman, who wrote the book Angels of Light. Now, I don't know why that doesn't excite me, but if that excites some people, I said to our men last night, there are some people that if Derek Prince or Bob Mumford or Don Basham or Ern Baxter or Billy Graham had come out with this message, that it said it has to be of God. But because God got some little preacher in a little church in a little town and said, I want you to preach this. They just can't receive it. There must be something wrong with it. Well, for their comfort, you tell them that I was told last night, I'm going to check it out, that Hobart Freeman, who wrote the book Angels of Light and several other little books, His position is just... In fact, he's harder on it than I am. Can you believe that? That's right. He says that dating is not scriptural. He says dating is an American tradition that started in the United States. He said if two young people will walk with the Lord and fear the Lord and be obedient to the Lord and every day seek God's perfect will, that God will bring to them the person. They'll look at each other and they'll say... God has spoken to my heart and said, you're to be my wife. And you're to be my husband. I agree. And they wouldn't have to go through all this prayer. He says, it opens young people up to all sorts of moral problems and distresses. I said, God, please don't make me preach something like that. <laughs> but anyhow, that's what he goes to. And I'll be checking this out for you. For, so that if someone asks you, who's preaching this message, you can give them a big name. You won't have to worry about me. Okay? Praise the Lord. If that does some people some good. All right, I'll teach thee and instruct thee, uh, instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I'll guide thee with mine eye. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bridle, lest he come near, lest they come near unto thee. Uh, have you ever had the Lord have to put a bit in your mouth? You say, Lord, I just can't do that. You're just going to have to help me to do it. Mm. Oh, okay, Lord, I. I've felt that before. You ever felt that anymore? I mean, he puts a sharp bit in your mouth when you say, Lord, stop me from that. So if you haven't had it yet, tell him sometime, Lord, I can't stop that. Or I just can't handle it. You do it. And all of a sudden you will uh-huh, okay, I feel that bit. He says, don't be like that. But if you have to be, I will guide you and direct you if you just want me to. Tell me to do it and I'll do it. He says, don't be like that. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked. That's why I say it. Pays to serve Jesus. The scripture says the transgressor, the backslider, shall be filled with his own ways. The way of the transgressor is hard. Here he says, many sorrows shall be to the wicked. But he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Now that, another word for that mercy in the Hebrew is abiding love shall compass him about. I don't know what that does to you but it thrills me when I know that everywhere I go every day when I'm walking and talking with the Lord I know that I've got a shield around me that He's protecting me He's guiding me He's directing me even when it looks like I've goofed up what a comfort that is to know be glad in the Lord and rejoice ye righteous well we better not go the rest of the way What does it say? Shout for joy. Praise the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Make a happy racket. (laughs) Slowly but surely, the Lord is getting the Baptist blood out of your preacher. Once in a while, I can let out with a hallelujah. Bless God, praise the Lord, you know. And you know, right at first it kind of shocks me, but it feels gooder every time I do it. What a blessing to sit around the table last night and just hear these men praise the Lord and bless the Lord and rejoice in the Lord and weep before the Lord. I praise God for that. The happiness of the man that confesses his sins and walks before the Lord. I trust that when you read this song from now on it'll have a new meaning to you that to see the importance of confessing sin. Don't let it carry around inside of you and get that big load on you but unload it before the Lord. And then he'll instruct you and teach you in the way you shall go. He'll guide you with his own eye. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for David and for the experiences he had that we can learn the truth that you had to teach him, a man after God's own heart who... Who sinned so grievously, so grievously, and yet your mercy extended to him. When he repented of that thing, when he confessed it and wanted nothing more to do with it, you forgave him. He had to pay a dear price. We know that, Lord, and that's what you said here, that the, that the backslider or the, the person who's wicked will pay a dear price. When we break the laws of God, we know that you can forgive, but many times the fruit of that sin is still going to remain. And in the name of Jesus, I pray that you'll cause us to realize that those that walk with the Lord have found the easy way. Those that walk with the Lord are going to find the blessed way. That you'll prosper them in everything they do. And that it doesn't pay to allow sin in our lives. Cause us to be able to cry out when these things happen in our lives against thee and thee only have I sinned, O God. Be merciful unto me and wash me and purge me with hyssop that I can be white as snow. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.